Thank you so much, Pastor Roger, for leading us in service and Wei-Shen for leading us in songs and for you all to actually respond in both singing and in prayer. Thank you so much and a very warm and a welcome to those who are new with us, especially the 34 boys. Thank you so much. And also a very good morning to one and all. Now, remember also about Nicholas. Uh, one day, we, he mentioned about uh, overnight cycling. We went overnight cycling. And uh, poor guy actually slept while cycling. <laughs> but you know what? He continued cycling for Christ now. So we thank God for his life. Right? Yeah. Okay, for those who are new with us, okay, we are on the series of studies taken from the book of the Gospel of John. And we are now in chapter 6. And chapter 6, uh, the, tit the title will be The Bread of Life. So you have read, right? Now, when we talk about need or needs, what comes to mind would usually be that of the Maslow's Pyramid, and it looks like this. Slide. Thank you so much. Right? Now, according to the pyramid, if you can see, we need the basic essentials. And what are the basic essentials? They are air, air to breathe, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction, and so on, right? Then once that is met, we go on to meet our safety needs now, like, like personal security, employment, resources, accumulation of resources, uh, looking out after your health, and so on. And once we achieve that, we have time now, we have time now to fulfill other needs, moving toward the top of the pyramid as mentioned, like what? like love and belonging, esteem, and self-actualization. Now, all these are observed to be how our needs or needs progress. These are necessary for us to survive, particularly the felt needs of men. And what are the felt needs of men? Felt needs are basically the one that is at the bottom, the physiological needs. Why so? That's why when there is a call for help, for example, like the recent Turkey and Syria earthquake, and recently the Malaysians flooding, the call, of, the call to help is usually for what? Usually for a car? No, right. It's usually for food, for shelter, for clothing, medical, and so on. The basic stuff, the basic stuff we cannot do without. However, what we need is not just felt need of basic necessity, but the real need for salvific certainty. That would be, in my estimation, the one missing element that is not reflected in Maslow's pyramid. Meaning, the real need isn't just physiological, but spiritual. And so this is where we will be looking at in today's passage from John 6. Uh, but before we go any further, just allow me to set in context the before and after of the passage I've chosen to speak on. And this can be possibly divided into four sections. Slides comes on. And the four sections could be Jesus feeds the multitude, Jesus walks on water, the bread of life discourse, and the twelve remain, many others live. Now, as you can see, the bold Bible passage is where I will be preaching this morning. And I hope that gives us a framework as to where we are heading with this morning. Jesus 
the bread of life. And it brings us to our first point, if you are following the outline. So the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. It appears that the crowd recognized that only one boat had left to the west bank of the Sea of Galilee and that Jesus was also gone. Somehow, there are other boats that were searching for Jesus, the great miracle worker. Why the great miracle worker? Because in the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus fed 5,000 and more, perhaps if the total numbers is counted. And they wanted to force him to be king, far from searching for the saviour of sin, of which, time again, his signs, his performing of miracles actually points to him being the Lord. Now, the crisscrossing of the Sea of Galilee some of you would have read a different version of the Bible. It may not mention the Sea of Galilee. It would be Sea of Gennesaret. Or it could be the Sea of Chinaroth or Chinareth, a.k.a. Sea of Tiberias. They are all the same, right? It's just that later on, this Sea of Tiberias was added to a more common folks' familiarity. Now, all this crisscrossing would inform us what? Crisscrossing of Jesus from north to south, south to north, then crossing the sea from east to west. What does it tell us? For perspective's sake, Tengah is slowly getting built. Tengah. I know some of you are expected, expectant and excited because it is near you. But if you and your DG are called to make the move, how? I hope knowing that Jesus went all out for mission and ministry, will help you and I make the move seamless. Amen? Well, that's just a side point to note, but not insignificant, as we are learning all about Jesus, the man, the mission, and the ministry. And so following, we notice that the crowd, it's like, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Sounds sincere, right? But Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You notice how Jesus answered him? Jesus didn't directly answer the seemingly sincere question. Instead, he exposes the true intent of the crowd. Right? So again, church camp illustration. So church camp is back again. And registration will be open this Saturday. Are you all excited? There's a, there's a, there's a slide. Thank you so much. And that's me. <laughs> Are you all excited? See, for all the years, all the years since its nascent or since its beginning, church camp is always the highlight of our spiritual life as a family of God. And always favoured by God with full registration within a short time. Yet, over these years that we have church camp, 
There were few who went not because of wanting to savour the spiritual feast, but to satisfy their appetite for what? Their appetite for a heavily subsidised strip of a good hotel, good food, and throw in a game of good golf. <laughs> Anyone here do, does that? You, you won't be laughing at me. Lah. Not that our folks can't afford, but it is just a Singaporean thing, law, right? We are cheap and good. Oh, no, sorry. We want cheap and good, right? We want cheap and good. Now, we hide our motive well, but the Lord knows, and we know too, just in case you think we don't know. We pretend only we do not know, no. So go on, go. Go with a heart of pure motive, and who knows? We may experience what the tens of thousands of believers in Asbury Revival in Kentucky experience. A true revival of the soul. Amen? So let's move on and Jesus continued to tell them. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. The verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. And then, this portion basically shows us the crowd's motivation for following Jesus. And it was based on Jesus' ab ability to provide them with temporal food. You may turn off the slide again, thank you. <laughs> However, while they were concerned for their stomach, what do you think Jesus is concerned for them? Jesus is more concerned for their heart. And that's why Jesus corrects their opinion and motive for seeking Him. And He does this by pointing them to Himself. How, how does He do it? He told them not to work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give them. Where have you come across the term Son of Man? First, the Son of Man, if you can remember, is someone who wields not only authority deserving to be worshipped, has authority to judge. Here it tells us that yet He gives eternal lives. And not that the Son of Man, suka suka any old how take upon Himself the authority, but God the Father placed on Him. God's seal of approval. Now, isn't it true that it is not the receiving of, the receiving of what? The receiving of, let's say, example, an award, a reward, or acknowledgement, and so forth, that makes it special. But the receiving from the giver. Agree? What do I mean? By the grace and favour of God, all my daughters... Without their permission, I'm using them. At different point of their school life, have received awards like the Edusave Merit Bursary, Edusave Character Award, Edusave Award for Achievement, Good Leadership, Edusave Skills Award, and also Good Progress Award, Tenten. Tenten is so on and so forth. <laughs> what makes their receiving more special is to receive from who? You recognize the person? That's my, my Tegi MP, you know? And he's the Prime Minister of Singapore. That is what makes it more special, true or not? So what makes their receiving more special is to receive from the hands of 
the Prime Minister of Singapore, Mr Lee Hsien Loong. And so just so the crowd knows, and we know now, that God the Father gives his seal of approval, and therefore Jesus is who he is, and does what he sees of his Father. It is no small thing for us to not to miss. Again, we see the crowd lack understanding or blinded by their appetite to satisfy by asking what they can do on hearing to work for food that endures to eternal life. Again, Jesus took the opportunity and set them straight, saying in verse 29, The work of God is this, to believe in the one He, or for that matter, God, has sent. Simply put, the work of God, that is what God requires, is faith. This is not an existential faith, rather they must believe in the one who is God, whom has sent Jesus. And in saying this, Jesus is saying what? If you believe in God, then you must believe Jesus, me, the one God has sent. To believe or not to believe one is not to believe the other. That's what Jesus is saying. So there is an echo from an Old Testament passage taken from Malachi chapter 3. And it reads as such. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. In short, God promises to send in due time the messenger of the covenant which is also reflected. Just in case you've forgotten, we are only in chapter 6. This is also reflected in the prologue of chapter 1 of Jesus being sent. No one has seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So Jesus is the one who reveals God to us because he has been with God the Father in heaven and sent from there for the purpose that the world might be saved through him. Sounds familiar? And uh, thank you, Weishan. I think that, that we, we, we didn't, we didn't pack up, you know. He did mention, and let us all recite this John 3.16 and make it our, the anthem of our heart for this John series. Shall we? Shall we all read together? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Amen. Faith is what God requires, my brothers and sisters, not works in any modern sense of the term. And we'll shortly see that even the faith that we must exercise is the fruit of God's activity. And so, unsatisfied with the answer, the crowd asks again for a sign, citing a theological reference of manna that Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Again, Jesus had got to correct them, saying that it wasn't Moses. It was God who provided manna to his children in the wilderness. The very same God who provides them is the very same God who provides them with the true bread of heaven. Jesus, 
It is meant for their belief. It is meant for your belief. It is meant for my belief. And verse 34, you may want to close that up first. Verse 33, 34 tells us that while Israel, God's privileged people, may have been exclusively provided with manna in the wilderness, now it is inclusively offered to the world, meaning to anyone who believes for eternal life. Now this is a spiritual truth. It's somehow again missed by the crowd when they said to Jesus, from now on, give us this bread. And moving forward to the second point, if you're following the outline, in verse 35, the I am the bread of life is the first of the seven I am statements in John the Gospel. Not yet. These statements are unique to John and in many ways encapsulate the distinctiveness of John's preparation, presentation of Jesus. And if you want to know the origin of bread talk here, verse 35, it's not George Quack, the bread talk, this is the origin. The I am, or the, in Greek, ego or ego, me, beginning with this thing is more emphatic in Greek than can be expressed without awkwardness in English. What do I mean? Let me put in context our local language, right? It is like in English, I myself am he. Doesn't make any, doesn't, doesn't move you, lah, huh? right? Now, in our local language, it may sound like that. You see? You all understand, no? Usually when we hear this being said right, is in a loud tone, it is not. You don't need to say this in a loud tone. All you need to say is this. Very soft, very subtle. People will get it. The presence and the gravitas of this. So this is what he's trying to say. Whenever we read the Bible, it comes across... I am you, or for that matter, the author of the Bible passage wants you to, to listen intently, to read carefully, and to respond truthfully. The, 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 the local language that I will use, the vernacular, it is not rude nor crude. It is what it is in our vernacular, just in case you think I'm being rude. I am not. I am often reminds readers of the revealed name of God from the burning bush story. Remember that? And to be sure, from the beginning verse, God is revealed in Jesus' divine nature again in John 1.1. Let us read. Huh? Right, go. In, oh, okay. Where is this? Not yet, eh? Okay. All right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, the striking feature common to all of the I am saying in John, however, is that they all express what? They all express relationship to humanity. Now, these are reflected in the other six I am. Now, you can try. I am the bread of life, which is we are covering today, meaning to say we hunger and thirst, right? I am the light of the world. That tells us what? We are dark people. We are darkened people. I am the gate, we need to be protected. I am the good shepherd, we need to be nursed and nurtured. Right? I am the resurrection, that means we are dead. I am the way and the life, the truth and the life, meaning to say we are lost and we are hopeless. I am the true vine. What does that tell us? 
That means to say, we must stay connected. So coming back to the text at hand, I am the bread of life, who satisfies hunger and thirst. Jesus invites the crowd to come and believe. But tragically, still you do not believe that we see in verse 36. Not yet. Yet despite their unbelief, somehow others will come to Jesus in faith as we have heard earlier to given to him by God. Now this seems to suggest that certain ones will come and believe in Jesus and they shall be saved and will be raised up at the last day. Now this idea, all that the Father, now slide, all that the Father gives me will come to me and raise on the last day. Reflected in verses 37, 39, and 40. This is repeated in verses 44 and 45. It says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. They will be taught by God, everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Now, for reading this, you may ask, if that's the case, then we let God decide, Lord. I, if I live, if we live, we live. If we perish, we perish. So let's eat, drink, and be merry, lah, Lord. Huh? Anyway, it is all God's doing, ma, right? Now, let me try to explain as clearly as I understand. So, Lord, help me. See, a person cannot be saved unless he comes to Jesus. He cannot come unless he is given. Watch him, watch him. <laughs> but all that, all that is given will surely come. And by your coming and by my coming, it places the emphasis on our human responsibility to respond to God's invitation. Clearer? Only one or two just nod their head. And mind, let me try again. Now, I hope this often heard simple energy will help us understand the profundity of this portion. Let's take, for example, you're hungry. And there's food on the table. What will you do to satisfy your hunger pangs? Stare at it and you have your fill? That's what advertisements are good at, making you more wanting but never satisfying. The only way to satisfy your hunger is to actually come and take and eat of the food that is offered, right? Now, I know it's a simple analogy, but it helps me, as I hope it does to you. So essentially, this is what it says here. If you do so, it is not to say that we take credit for it. For in the first place, there was something that is placed as an offer to satisfy our need, our hunger, our thirst, fully and freely. You see that? This is a harmonious picture of God's sovereignty and our human responsibility intertwined beautifully. For then salvation is ever by grace and faith is ever the work of God in the heart of the sinner. Hope it is making sense. If it doesn't make sense, go back and read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. That is another Bible reference 
to tell us it is God who actually called us. Maybe some who aren't Christian yet may be tempted right now to ignore this. And I want to tell you, God is offering you right this very minute through Jesus' word in John's gospel to open your heart and open your ears. He wants to draw you to His Son, Jesus, so that you can be saved. Will you come and receive eternal life? For the last time that I checked, right, no one have lived for eternity except Jesus Christ. True? These are very dividing words. If we follow the impulse to come to Christ, we come because we want to. But behind it is the Father drawing you. Come to Him. Worship Him. Fall before Him. Give your life to Him. For He is infinitely worthy and will satisfy your deepest longings forever. Come to Him. For this is truly, truly what Jesus promises in these words for us today. But you know, the sad truth is that the crowd grumble and complain. Probably they find it hard to reconcile who Jesus said He is and who they know Jesus to be. That is, He's the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. And by which time when Jesus tell them to stop grumbling and explain, that in verse 51 slide, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Lagi teruk, right? Oh, sorry. I broke out in tongues. I mean, I mean, it causes all the more ruckus by this statement, so much so that they broke up in sharp, sharp arguments between themselves, amongst themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Which Jesus again reiterates and corrects them. And we are at point three. I tell you the truth, slide, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Now, to be honest, if we are first century followers, I think we would find it difficult to accept such things. True? However, if we notice that this passage is all about hunger and food, Jesus is merely using the language of gastronomy to convey its truth. And thankfully for us, there's a parallel saying that was spoken earlier to help clear this misunderstanding of eat my flesh and drinks my blood. Next slide comes on. Earlier in verse 40, we see everyone who looks to the Son of, and believes in Him shall have eternal life and I will raise Him. So look at the parallel and similarity of 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. So the bread Jesus gives is his own flesh. What does it mean? It alludes to his crucifixion. To give of one flesh is basically to give up your life, or for that matter, his life. And so the commentary by Cruz, whom the church is using, helps us to understand that the eating his flesh, drinking his blood, is a striking metaphor for believing in him. And so those who believe in Him 
benefit from his death on our behalf. So in paraphrasing, Jesus is saying what? That unless you believe, trusting in Jesus' sacrifice as the only ground for salvation, you do not possess everlasting life by the mention of raise up on the last day. Conversely, if you accept the sacrifice of Jesus with a believing heart, full, fully and free from wrong motives, you have everlasting life and you will be gloriously raised at the last day. As in the case of verse 56, whoever believes remains or abides or stay in the closest and most vital union with Christ who according to verse 57 suggests that he is the source of life from the Father to give life to those who believe him. And closing in verses 58 and 59, Jesus again introduced, Jesus again revealed, disclosed who he is. He is greater, that is, he is from heaven, than Moses, who is from earth. For the earthly food could not keep them alive in any sense whatever. But the food or the bread from heaven will keep you forever. And all this teaching took place in the synagogue in Capernaum. So in applying this passage to us, one big question that looms out would be that of what? What would hinder your need to believe in Jesus Christ? Now we are all at different seasons of life. Just looking across this hall, I see black, I see grey, and I see skin tone. Heads, I mean. Not heads, huh? Some with full crown, some with half crown, some with no crown. <laughs> now that tells me what? That tells me we have retirees, we have working adults, we have parents, we have youths, and we have children pretty much the whole spectrum of our human race. And since the whole spectrum of human race growing up and growing old is represented here, we could safely say our needs or our needs changes according to the season we go through. Agree? For children, are they too young to learn about Jesus? Because they are still perhaps babbling or they are perhaps they are still learning? For youth, are they too busy with studies to be distracted and have got no time? For working adults to engross in your career? For parents too busy juggling career and home, just trying to juggle and manage? For seniors too concerned or caring after oneself? Now, please don't get me wrong, yeah? All these are necessary as we go through different seasons in life. But I just want to remind you as we hear today's message, all these are not as paramount as exchanging your eternal life for temporal needs. Amen? Now let me close with a story about Trina Lo, who grew up in Moa, Johor, finished study in one of the universities in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. You may want to show the pic. Here's a picture. It was during that time she attended church and believed in Jesus. 
Then at age 23, she came to Singapore to work and got married. After having two kids, they uprooted and moved to the Philippines for her husband's work. Now it was there that she blossomed as a Christian, learning, teaching and organizing Bible study amongst the local ladies. Now at the same time, having to host frequent dinners for diplomats and dignitaries, which actually included the ex-president Mr. Fidel Ramos. All this is on top of opening up their first restaurant with local partners. Then they returned to Singapore and without skipping a beat, immersed herself back to church life. Not long before an offer to take over a shop near her church. Long story short, she took over and converted it to what it is now known as Bakery Brera. Any one of you knows that place? Show offense? Uh, you all are tasties, no? <laughs> but it's really lovely, very delicious. Huh? They are, it's not their muffins, it's their craftsmen, right? And her guiding principle of her bakery, if those who have been there, you know where. You know where it's taken from? Look at the glass panel, right? It's taken from where? John 6.35. And what does, what does John, John 6.35 says? He says here, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. What I want to highlight in telling Trina's story is this. Like everyone else, Trina goes through seasons in life. From young kid, from the kampongs, to make it to university. You think it's a breeze? No. Right? The challenges is all given no? as with you and me. Right? It's all challenges. If you stay in a kampong, you've got to study hard, you've got to study well, you've got to make time. You've got to, even probably kampong has got no electricity that is readily available. Probably you've got to burn uh, the kerosene lamp, your, your dad and mom got to pump the kerosene lamp for you to study, just to buck up and for you to make good. And then when you reach university, you have got to study even harder. And after that, you've got to go and find and truly find work, find employment, just so that you can be secure. Right, in providing for yourself all the basic essentials. And then after that, you've got to follow your, your, her husband in this case, there, here and there. It's not easy to uproot yourself you know, from one place. What I'm trying to highlight is this. What you go through is not so special. It's the same with everybody. Right? Agree or not? So if that's the case, then... Why should we forget about who Jesus is? Why should we forget coming to a regular service? Why should we forget the good fellowship among brothers and sisters in Christ? Because our fellowship is usually centered around what? Centered around God's Word. For that's what keeps you and keeps me going, just like Trina alone. And that's why I highlighted nothing fanciful, nothing dramatic. It's just plain. We, we're all like that. Right? And there is goodness, my brothers and sisters in Christ. There is goodness in the routine. There is goodness in the mundane. And all that is given to us is for us to enjoy it, right? Not forgetting, enjoying it, not forgetting the giver of eternal life to you and to me. Amen? Mm -mm, okay. 
All right. If if you if you if you really didn't if you were you turn off and tune out in the initial period, let me leave you with an acronym. I hope you will take this home and just uh, remember. Next slide comes out, and I choose the acronym bread because today's topic is all about bread, and that's why I use bread. Okay, so bread B, believe in the one God has sent. R, receive him with right motive. E, eat his flesh and drink his blood. A, accept the sacrifice with believing heart. And then D, do not reject his invitation. May our belief in Jesus Christ remain strong and sure in spite and despite our circumstances or seasons in life. Let us pray. Almighty God, everlasting Father, we give thanks for the true bread of life that you have given to us so that we may be saved and have eternal life. Help us, Lord, that we will believe in the one that you have sent and that we will not let any of our circumstances and seasons in life hinder in our belief as it is only through Jesus that all our needs will be satisfied. In the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and all God's people say, Amen.